Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Well, hey, we're in a series called Unstuck, and uh, I came into this week planning to go in a specific direction with Unstuck, and as I jumped into the sermon planning process, it just became clear to me very quickly that I needed to go in a completely different direction. So hang in there with me this morning. Uh, Unstuck, uh, we're going in a different direction. Uh, And and, and the title for today's message, and you're going to love this, this is going to get really depressing for a little while. Don't worry, we're going to pull up at the end and it's all going to be okay. But uh, the title for this morning's message is Stuck in the Ohio Valley. Uh, I had lunch with uh, Matt Parsons, our uh, creative arts director, this week and earlier in the week. And I had already kind of set out in this direction with the message. And we were talking. And he goes, you know what? When I was in college, when I graduated from college, everybody around me, all the you know fellow students and just, just all this advice was get out of the Ohio Valley while you still can. Don't get stuck in the Ohio Valley. And he was dating a girl down south and he ended up moving to Charlotte and marrying her and they, they're living happily ever after and all of that's good. But he lived away for about 10 years and then about five years ago he moved back here to uh, the Wheeling area and he was just telling me how glad he is to be home and to be here doing what God has created him to do. And um, and uh, we, did, we had a great lunch. It was, it was really, really cool. But it for me, it, it emphasized this sentiment that you hear oftentimes in the Ohio Valley. Uh, I, I think our community has a, um, a self-image issue, really, um, and, and, and there's a lot of despair in the valley. And, and, and so you, you kind of hear what, what Nathaniel said to, to Philip in John chapter 1, there, Jesus is fresh on the scene. Philip spends the afternoon with Jesus and is like, I think this guy's the Messiah. I think he's the one we're waiting for. And uh, so he goes and he finds Nathaniel and he's like, hey, dude, I think we found the one. I think we found the Messiah. And he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel's response was this. I'm just going to read it. It says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Well, I, I, I hear that sentiment from people in our community all the time. Now, we have great parks, right? <laughs> that's, that's the thing. But what about the parks? Yeah, the parks are great. But, but, um, but this idea and, and, and that our past was our best years. You know, I mean, people reminisce about, you know, look at the pictures of downtown Wheeling with all the people on the streets and all the shops. And, and wasn't it glorious and wasn't it great? And it's all about our history. And, and, um, and uh, we do have challenges that we're facing that feed this, right? We have, a, we have an addiction crisis. We're full-blown in the midst of an addiction crisis in the Ohio Valley. The latest, uh, latest research says 33% of the people walking around you have an opioid addiction. 33%. And that's a full third of our population. I'm not even sure how a, a, a society functions like that, but... But that's, that's a crisis. That's a, that's a big deal. And, and nobody seems to have an answer, right? This is for uh, not just the Ohio Valley, but across the nation in general. They're saying now 70% of our population, of the U.S. population, is addicted to something. 
Uh, and and that, that could be that could be gambling or porn or uh, alcohol or drugs or you know the list goes on. And there's a million things you can be addicted to. Seventy percent. Wow, that's a bit of a crisis. Certainly applies here in the Ohio Valley, and I think a lot of people feel that. There's a mental health crisis that's tied directly into that. And then we get news last week that they're going to close OVMC and the only residential psych facility in the Ohio Valley, and we've got a crisis on our hands. You know, and we're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to navigate that? People are scrambling trying to figure it out. Oh, and by the way, we're going to close OVMC, and that's a thousand jobs, and we got a crisis on our hands, and it's beginning to feel like, oh my gosh, what is going on around here? Then we've got uh, Wheeling University, pillar in our community for over 50 years. Half the students are gone. We don't know if it's going to make it or if it's not. Huge employer. What's going on? And we have, and I would never say anything bad about another church. If you know me, you know my heart is, I love the big C church, the church, churches everywhere. But I'm not also not one to put my head in the sand and pretend that there aren't problems places. And, and so, you know, the crisis at the, in the diocese of Wheeling, Charleston, and just uh, I've got friends, Catholic friends, who are reeling and trying to figure out where to put all that. And all of that is centered right here in the Ohio Valley, in Wheeling. And we're like, what the heck is going on? Now, don't get depressed. I can see. I can see you're all getting really hopeless and, and sad. This is, there's a method to this. Then, then we're told the economic salvation of the Ohio Valley is this cracker plant that they're going to stick in Powhatan Point, and, and it's going to create all these jobs and all this economic prosperity, and there's going to be 100,000 people that are going to move to the Ohio Valley, and it's going to change everything, and it's going to make it like Houston, Texas, and it's going to be awesome, and everything is going to change, and we're all excited about that until it stops. And, and, you know, there's another side to that story, the whole environmental impact. And so you, and I'm not going to take a side on that here. That's not, not what my job is, but you've got, you've got these two sides that are, that are going back and forth and the whole thing kind of hangs in the balance and that may or may not happen. It may come, it may not come, who knows? And we're like, oh, I'm stuck in the Ohio Valley. Guys, we have a crisis of identity and a crisis of despair, and I could go on. There's more on the list just from the last couple of weeks. And it feels like Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? feels like our best days are behind us. feels like we could be some days feel like we're stuck in the Ohio Valley or at least stuck in despair. But you know what? None of that makes me despair. None of it makes me despair. I believe that our very, very best days are ahead of us. I believe that the best is yet to come for our community. And there is a very specific reason why I believe that. I don't believe that the hope of our community is the cracker plant. I don't believe that the hope of our community is in some government program or government, you know, renovation. I don't believe it's a policy change. I don't believe it's any of those things. The reason I believe that our very best days are ahead of us is because of you guys. It's the people sitting in this room right here. 
When you get this number of people together committed to being the hands and feet of God and showing his love and pouring his spirit, his love, his heart into a community, guys, it changes things. It changes things. I believe, and I think, again, I don't think... I don't think we're the only show in town. I don't think we're the best church ever, but I can speak about our church, okay, for all churches. But I know the people in this church are some of the best people on the planet. You guys have shown it over and over and over again. Last November, we did a special offering. The November before that, we did a special offering. The November before that, we did a special offering. This November, we'll do a special offering where we'll take all the money and give it to organizations that are serving and crushing it in our community, and we'll partner with them, and we'll send out volunteers, and we'll send them money, and we'll help them with projects. Last year, you guys gave over $50,000 in a weekend to make a difference in the Ohio Valley. It's amazing. And that doesn't, and and that's not to mention all the volunteer hours you put in in the in the, in the weeks to follow, serving the organ, these organizations and serving these people in our community, shining light, showing love. Now I always tell tell the story from several years back when the free wheelchair mission came to town. They were traveling through and they were going through and doing these pre- presentations in churches, and they came to our church and they were raising twenty five hundred dollars or so at a church. Um, and they came through the vineyard, and in one weekend, you guys gave $115,000 to get people off the ground, out of the back rooms, out of despair, and into their Because people in developing countries will never be able to afford a wheelchair. And $50 at a time, you guys gave enough money to get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people out of the darkness. You guys are unreal, unbelievably generous. And I believe in a very real way, you, us, together, are the hope of the Ohio Valley because the church is, the local church, when it's working right, is the hope of the world. And we are the local church in this community. We are, or we, we are the hands and feet of Jesus here. And that makes all the difference in the world. And this church is full of difference makers. I think of my friend Sue who retired recently and is now on the streets hanging out with homeless people, giving them hugs, finding them services, finding them a place to live, making sure they got medical care and doing whatever she can to show the love of Christ. I think of my friend Larry who is in Vietnam or on his way back from Vietnam at this point in time. Back in 1990-91, he, God put it on his heart to go to Vietnam. Vietnam had just opened up and immediately made a connection with the underground church over there and has been traveling back and forth from Vietnam or from Wheeling. He's from Steubenville, but from the Ohio Valley to, to Vietnam a couple times a year, helping the underground church, helping train pastors, helping plant churches. They're working into Cambodia now, and God is blowing open the doors there, and he has given his own resources. He has given his time. He has been there it's changing the world from the Ohio Valley. If he believes you can do that, I believe you can do that. But I also believe you can change the Ohio Valley from the Ohio Valley. And every one of us has a part to play in that. I think of my friend Barb, who's a teacher over at Madison Elementary School and serving not just some of the poorest 
people in our community, but some of the poorest people in the state of West Virginia. And she pours her life into to that job and into those kids, not because it's a great career move, but because God has placed her there to be the difference and to make a difference in the lives of those kids. She's made the connection between our church and, and there. And, and um, you know, there's 19 of us that go over uh, twice a month to hang out and mentor kids and spend time building relationships with kids who need significant adult positive relationships. And there's, so there's, there's a whole hand, there are a whole bunch of people that are going, and, and there will be room for more of us to do that. So keep an eye out for that. But what I know is this church is full of people who are world changers. And it's not just those guys. It's you too. It's you too. And that gives me hope. See, what gives me hope more than anything else is not any one of those stories, but all of those stories together and all the other stories that I can't tell because there's not time to tell them all and the stories that I don't even have time or that I don't even know about. Because the hope for this community, the hope for this community is the church. And you guys are the church. And you guys are amazing. The potential sitting in this room to impact, to change the very culture of our community is enormous, enormous. The local church is the hope of the world when it's working right. It is. And it is the hope of the valley when it's working right. And when you think about it, nothing else has the power to really get at the root of the problems, does it? I mean, not the government, not any programs or services, not any laws or courts, not law enforcement. All those things are good. All of those things have their place, but all of those things are treating symptoms. And the underlying problem is the human condition, the human heart. And there's only one force on earth that has the capacity to change the human heart. And that is the presence and the power and the message of God and the gospel. But here's the rub. And I get it. I'm not blind. I'm a realist. We look around and we're like, the church, the hope of the world? And we see the TV evangelists who fall from grace, and you're like, really? That's the hope of the world? And we see the, the crisis going on in the, in the diocese here, and you're like, the church is the hope of the world? And we see dying churches. And again, I'm not against any churches, but I am a realist. And there's church after church after church full of a handful of people who are just they're just a funeral or two away from closing their doors and they're riding their resources into the sunset and those churches will all be closed and turned into microbreweries soon which i'm not against but um <laughs> but we look at that and we go that's the hope of the world guys the rob is it's it's when the church is working right when the church is working right, it's an unstoppable force. When the church is, is healthy, it's the most beautiful thing on planet Earth. It is people loving one another and loving the world around them in such a profound and powerful way, empowered by God, that it changes everything around it. That's the church that Jesus dreamed about. That's the church that I dream about. 
That's the church I want to be a part of. And my guess is if you're here, that's the church you want to be a part of too. And that's the hope of the Ohio Valley. But you have a part to play in that. See, when the local church is working right, when the local church is functioning the way it was supposed to, everybody's playing their part. In the early church, when Jesus left and left his movement behind, there were about 125 people. And they had every force on earth stacked against them. They had the Jewish government stacked against them. They had the Jewish religious structure stacked against them. And they had the Roman government stacked against them. They were thrown to lions. They were burned at stakes. They were hunted down and thrown in jail. And they were doing everything they could to snuff out Christianity. It shouldn't have made it out of the first week. And yet within 300 years... They went from being persecuted by the Roman government to, be, to being declared the state religion of the Roman Empire. Without shot, shot fired, it was a bloodless, wasn't bloodless on our side, but it was a bloodless revolution of love and kindness, of serving one another, serving the world around us. And it changed the world. But here's, here's the difference between that church and the church of the 21st century. That church didn't have a bunch of professionals. See, somewhere along the line, it went from this movement of people where everybody has a part to play to let's hire some religious professionals who can put together great messages for us and music and other things, and we'll come and enjoy that, and that'll make us feel better, and we'll learn and grow, and, and, and that's great. And, and a very small number of people do a majority of the work. Well, that doesn't have a whole lot of beauty or power. But when everybody's playing their parts, like in the first 300 years of the church, it changes the world, just like Jesus said that it would. If you're new here, welcome. Glad you're here. Glad you're here for this message. Because if you're considering following Jesus or you're considering becoming a part of this church, this is part of the deal. Like, you are called to be a difference maker. You are called to be engaged. Right? Today... In the 21st century, so many of us are just consumers. Now, some of you are like, oh, great, this is where the pastor beats up the sheep, right? No. You guys know I'm not a guilt person, but I am going to tell you how it is. And this is how it is. This is how it is. Now, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 addresses this issue with the church in Corinth. Um, if you brought your Bibles, you can open up there. If you have a device, you can open up to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to begin in verse 4, and I'm going to be reading from the Living Bible this morning. It's a paraphrase. Um, I taught on this passage not too long ago when we were going through ghost stories. 
Uh, and we're going to take another look at this passage because it applies so well and so much to what I'm talking about today. And this is what it says in verse 4. It says, Now God gives us many kinds of special abilities, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service to God, but it is the same Lord we are serving. So what Paul is, is, is he's painting this picture. He's saying, look, God gives everybody something different to bring to the table. You might have one gift, you might have one talent, you might have something else, you might have resources, you might have this. We bring it all together and it forms one body. Are you getting the picture? You say yes. All right. There are many ways in which God works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work. So the gifts you have were given to you by God. The gifts I have were given to me by God and everybody sitting around you. It is the same and he works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work and in and through all of us who are his. If you're a follower of Jesus, his plan is to take whatever gifts he's given you and for you to use those to serve him, and he will work through you. That's the plan. That's the plan. And everyone is a crucial and necessary part of the equation. There's not one of us who claims to be a follower of Jesus who doesn't have a vital role to play. And you might be thinking, well, the role I play isn't all that significant. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Every part is important. You know, when, when you came in, we've got... People in parking lots saying, hey, welcome, glad you're here, and helping you find a parking spot. We've got people opening the door saying, hey, I am really glad you're here. We've got people making coffee, giving you a cup of coffee. Coffee is so important, by the way. I just want you to know coffee is vital, and not for the reasons that you're thinking, although it is important for those reasons. Um, it's important because it communicates something, just like a welcome when you pull into the parking lot or a welcome when you come through the door. It communicates, I'm glad you're here. Let's sit down and have a cup of coffee. Let's sit around the table and have a conversation. It cuts through the formality and it communicates hospitality. And you know, when people come to church for the first time, there's a lot of fear. Will, will I be accepted? Will I know what to do? Will, will there be lightning bolts that come from the sky because I'm in church and I have a history. No, by the way, we all have a history. And when you get out of your car and somebody says, hey, I'm really glad you're here, the wall comes down a little bit. And when they say welcome, and you come through the door, and get a handshake or a hug or a, just a, an appropriate distance, but hey, I'm really glad you're here. Because not everybody loves to be hugged. Just saying. The wall comes down a little bit. I get a cup of coffee, the wall comes down a little bit. A couple of weeks we're going to be um, we're going to be taking this lot over next to the River's Edge restaurant over here, and it's going to become the family lot for young families. And we have a, a, a fleet of a fleet is three wagons, and we're going to start pulling the kids up the sidewalks to, to children's church, and it's going to be awesome. And um, but it's it's brings the walls down. And you're like, well, how, impor how important is it to pull a wagon? How important is it to open a door? How important is it to offer a cup of coffee? It's vital. 
Whatever part it is that God has you playing can change somebody's life and does frequently. They're all important. We have people praying for people after the service because tomorrow's Monday and life happens. And that's powerful. We have right now under this, under this stage, there's a room with a bunch of tech, techie people who are running cameras and switching the camera angles and watch this. See, and doing a great job because now they're, they're, they're proving me wrong. <laughs> they're waving. Hi, guys. Right? But how important is that? That's vital. We've got people watching online. If, if they make mistakes consistently, it becomes distracting to the message. It becomes distracting to the experience that people have when they come to church. It's absolutely vital. And they have a great sense of humor. Are we done? All right, good. We have people who, we have life, life group season starting up here in September, and we've got people who step up and, and say, you know what, I'll lead a life group because I understand that what we do here on the weekends is powerful and profound. It's you know, it's information and inspiration and really kind of gets things rolling, but transformation happens in the context of community and in, in, in circles with a group of people that can talk it through and get it dialed into our lives, and that's where lives start to change, and so they serve in that way. That's, that's huge. And guys, I could go on and on and on. Every part is important. Every part Playing our part, your part, coming together makes the body of Christ, the body of Christ, makes the body of Christ the hope of the world. Now we're going to drop down to verse 12 here, and this is what he says. He's painting this picture of the church being like a body. And he says, our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up only one body when they're all put together. In other words, this isn't about you. It is about you. You, have, you need to play your part, but you're not like the whole picture. I know you think you are, but you're not. You're part of this body, this beautiful body of Christ. So it is with the body of Christ, he says. Each of us is a part of the one body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. He's saying, look, it is a beautiful diversity. We've got poor people. We've got rich people. We've got in-between people. We've got rednecks, and we've got blue-collar folks and white-collar folks starting to sound like a Toby Keith song. We've got it all. We're all mixed in together. And he says it's the Spirit. That's it. He said, but the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together into one body. Only the Spirit of God can bring such a diversity of people together and make us a family and make us one. And I love that about our church. I love that. It's biblical. We've been baptized into Christ's body by the one Spirit and have been all been given the same Holy Spirit. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. In other words, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I want to do that. It's still part of the body. That doesn't make it any less part of the body. And what would you think if you're, you heard an ear say, 
Well, that would be weird if you heard an ear say something. What would you think if you heard an ear say, I'm not part of the body because I'm only an ear and not an eye? Would that make it any less a part of the body? And the answer is, of course, no. Suppose the whole body were an eye. That'd be weird too. Then how would you hear? Or if your whole body were just one big ear, how could you smell anything? But that isn't the way God has made us. He has made many parts for our bodies and put each part just where He wants. And when you look at a functioning human body, it is a miracle. Every part playing a vital role. And when one part's missing, all the other parts know it. What a strange thing a body would be if it had only one part. So He has made us many parts, but still there is only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. Yes, we're especially glad to have some parts that seem rather odd. No, I'm just kidding. It's not, you know. And we carefully protect from the eyes of others those parts that should not be seen. While, of course, the parts that may be seen do not require this special care. So God has put the body together in such a way that extra honor and care are given to those parts that might otherwise seem less important. Honor across the body. This makes for happiness among the parts so that the parts have the same care for each other that they, that they do for themselves. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. What a beautiful picture. I care for you, you care for me, we care for one another, we cheer one another on, we rejoice when someone else rejoices, we help when someone needs help. It's a beautiful picture, this diversity of people. But then he, he dials in on his point. He goes, so, now here's what I am trying to say. All of you together are the one body of Christ. And each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. You are a necessary part of the body of Christ. You are a necessary part of this church. And when you don't play your part, the rest of the church suffers. Now, let me bring this into like some really practical terms. You guys have all heard of the 80-20 rule, right? Say yes. Yes. Okay. So any organization, you look across organizations and everything else, generally speaking, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. This ties into the whole consumeristic mindset of our culture. 20% of the people are like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. 80% of the people are like, I'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy it. I am happy to report to you that for our church, we beat that statistic, like way beat that statistic. It's awesome. You guys are amazing. It's like, it's probably more like 70-30, 30 percent of our folks. I, I've got, I talked to other pastors and they're like, how on earth do you get all those people to volunteer and serve? And I'm like, we're blessed, you know, it's just really, really cool. But here's the problem. 
If only 30% of your organs showed up on any given day, how viable would your body be? It's not a pretty picture, is it, when you really think about it? You would need some life support help. You probably wouldn't be moving a whole lot. And you probably wouldn't be long for this world if only 30% of your body showed up. When you think about it that way, it's a little devastating. Because the body of Christ is the hope of the world when it's working right. And what the Apostle Paul lays out here in 1 Corinthians 12 is the body of Christ is working right when every one of us who is a necessary part of it is playing our part. And I'm telling you, when the church works like that, when every one of us understands that part of our followership of Jesus is serving Jesus and serving other people and being engaged in the local church, holy cow, we're a force to be reckoned with. I mean, the world changes. There are more of us in this room than there were Christians on that first day of the church. Unstoppable force. The church has been compared to a cruise ship. Anybody been on a cruise? Cruises are fun, I think. I've never been on one, but it looks like fun from the outside. But from what I can tell, it's, it's, you've got about 5,000 people trying to eat as much as they can over a seven-day period of time or whatever, however many days you go. But, you know, the win is, is if I can get lobster at least two meals a day, ice cream after every meal, and if I can, you know, uh, if I can gain 20 pounds in a week, woo-hoo, it's yeah, but, but on a cruise ship, you have 5,000 people being ser- who are sitting around eating and drinking and being merry, being served by 1,000 people who are working their tails off trying to make sure that every whim and wish is, is uh, taken care of. And that's how a lot of us treat the body of Christ. And again, I'm not saying this to beat anybody up. This is just reality. When in, reality, when in reality, God's design is that we're more like a battleship. You know, there's 5,000 people on a battleship, and every one of them has a job to do. And every job is different, and they might do shifts in different times, but, but it can be a liberating force in the world. And that's God's plan for us, for His church. But we've been so enculturated into the consumeristic mindset that What can I get? What can I get? Don't ask too much. Don't ask anything. It's been compared to a football game where you've got 22 people out on the field who desperately need to rest, being watched by who knows how many thousand people desperately in need of exercise. You get off the couch. The reality is every one of us is a necessary part of it. Every one of us has a part to play. And here's what I know. If every one of us got in the game, if every one of us played our part in and through the local church, we would be an unstoppable force in the Ohio Valley. We would be the hope of the Ohio Valley. Not us. Jesus working in us and through us. But He 
chooses to work in us and through us. And he gives us a choice as to whether or not we're going to engage or not. Jesus said, you're the light of the world, us collectively, him in us. It's the light of the world, light of the valley. That's you engaged, every single one of us. Because so many of us are stuck on the bench, and I get it. I mean, we have a lot to do, right? I mean, we're, we're busy, and I have empathy for that. And a lot of us are tired. I talk to people all the time. How are you doing? I'm tired. I'm really tired. I don't have any energy. I get it. That seems to be the cry of our generation. And so the thought of, of getting involved, the thought of playing a part of volunteering, of having to make a commitment of being somewhere, that, that becomes an overwhelming thought. And here's what I would say to you. First of all, we do what's important to us. And I would suggest to you that being involved in the body of Christ, of serving Jesus and others, should be at the very top of your list. It should be up there in the, like the top few things. All right? And that may require reorganizing your list. It's going to be September. It's a perfect time to reorganize your list. It really is. And then you just got to get off the bench. You got to start playing. When I was out west a few weeks back with Deuce, we uh, first day out, we were in, uh, hiking. We were in Red Lodge, Montana, and we climbed up to Glacier Lake, which was gorgeous. But as we were going up, of course, I wasn't going to show that I was struggling, so I just toughed it out and looked like I had it all together. But I was watching Deuce, and he's struggling going up a step, you know, up this mountain. He's struggling and struggling. He's like, I don't want to hike anymore. And I'm like, like, today or ever? He's like, ever. I don't want to hike anymore. And, um, and I said, Deuce, buddy, it's really tough today. Tomorrow will be a little easier. The next day will be a little easier. By the end of the trip, he was hiking like a boss. I mean, he had made such progress. When I was an Outward Bound instructor, we would, uh, I would take people out into the wilderness for 21-day trips. And so day one or the first morning, we'd get them up and we'd make them run a mile. And they, you know, I mean, they, they were throwing up on the side of the trail. They were, I mean, it was, it was bad. Like they were thought, I'm not going to survive this. But 21 days later, they were running a three-mile race and finishing it with gusto. But they had to lean in to make it through the wall. Guys, your breakthrough is going to be determined by your follow-through. And the first day might not be your best day. But if you keep leaning in, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find purpose. You're going to find friendship. You're going to find it, that it's incredibly life-giving. And that's what all the research is showing. All the research is showing that, that serving other people in a meaningful mission in, in the context of community is a more powerful antidepressant than Prozac or any of the other pharmaceutical antidepressants because you are wired for it. But you got to get off the couch. You got to lean in. Your breakthrough is going to be determined by your follow through. So 
So you're not stuck in the Ohio Valley. Some of us are stuck in apathy. I get that too. But you're not stuck in the valley. You've been placed in the Ohio Valley at this time for this purpose. You are here on purpose. You're on an assignment from the living God to be the hope of the world. And if you're not serving, we miss you. We feel it like a body missing a lot of parts. And together, together, we are the light. Together, we bring the Spirit. Together, we change things. See, the hope of the Ohio Valley isn't an industry, it's not a cracker plant, it's not the government. It isn't an economic upswing. It's the church. And the church is you. And you. And you. And you. You. And all of you. Most of you. No, I'm saying all of you. When Jesus described his, his church, he described it, he said it's kind of like a mustard seed. You know, if you take a mustard seed, it's really, really tiny. You plant it in the ground and it grows up into this shrub that's almost like a tree and it creates shade in the garden and, and, and birds come and make their nests in it and it changes and shapes the environment of the garden. And in my church, he said, it's going to be like that. It's going to start small and it's going to grow. But it, as everybody comes together, as we are the body of Christ and as this thing grows, it is an environment-shaping force. My, my vision for our church from the, the, the day I stepped into the role as lead pastor has been that we would impact so many people in the Ohio Valley for Christ that it would literally change the culture of our community. From negativity to positivity. From despair to hope. From can't do to can do. From sadness to life and all of its fullness. And so let me ask you, will you join me? You know the picture now. You know the dream. You know how this is supposed to work. 30% is not enough to be the hope of the world. You have a part to play. Will you play it? And here is your next step. If you are not serving, in the ministry of this church, and this church is your home, start. And your breakthrough will be in your follow-through, and I'm going to make your follow-through really easy for you. We're going to, we're going to uh, sing a song, and I'm going to come back out at the end and pray over us, and then I'm going to dismiss you. But if you're not serving currently, stay in your seat. And we're going to do a volunteer orientation right here immediately following this service, and you can get in the game today. All right? If you've got kids, we'll watch your kids. We'll watch your kids. Don't worry. They'll be fine. If you have lunch plans, change them. It's that important. And if you just can't do it, we're going to do membership course next week all in. Be there, and we'll get you plugged in there. But I'm telling you, don't walk out the door. If you can stay, stay and get 
involved. And where you start might not be where you end up, but you need to start. And as you find your place, and as you bring your service, and as you do your part, not only will you find life, but you will find that you, together with every single one of us, is making a difference. That we are the difference in our community. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that our best days are ahead of us. I thank you that the best is yet to come. Lord, I thank you that you have placed this church in this community for this time and that you have placed the people who are in this church, Lord, in this room, who are watching online. We all have a part to play, Lord. I thank you that you've placed us all here and that you have a vision of full engagement, that you have a vision of being the light of the world, that you have a vision that we would be the hope of this community. God, and I pray that you would help each one of us take the necessary steps to engage in what you're doing in the body of Christ to bring our part. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. In addition to these podcasts, please come visit us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15, and experience these encouraging messages, some incredible music, and so much more in person. We would love to meet you. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.